Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Carla Pinheiro Sublet. She's the CMO of NI. On the show today, we talk a little bit about her background, which started at Dell, then became the CMO at Rackspace, head of their exit, and then her current job now. But we also talk about a year that she took off of finding Ubuntu. And uh, I apologize for mispronouncing it during the recordings. But uh, it's a fascinating conversation about renewal, both within our own selves and how to bring our work selves and our personal lives together and how that's influenced her approach to marketing as well as her sales background as well in making sure that we're providing value to customers and prospects. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Carla Pinheiro Sublet. Carla, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm super happy to be here. Thanks for asking me. I would love to start off by hearing about your year of finding Ubuntu, I think. Ubuntu, I can't even say it. (laughs) Yes, yeah. Tell me about that and what sparked it because it sounds fantastic. Yeah, well, aside a midlife crisis, which I do think was was certainly part of it, I was at Rackspace and we actually sold the company, uh, which was the end in mind when I started there and had my first successful exit, was uh, had just vested. So there were a few things that culminated and came together before I made the decision. 
And I would say there are a few things going on. So I'd been at Rackspace for two and a half years and we had just sold the company and I'd had my first exit and really had an opportunity to reflect on what I wanted next, whether to stay on at Rackspace or try something new or completely different. In addition to that, I was midway through my fellowship, my Henry Crown Fellowship with the Aspen Institute. And that was really causing quite a bit of self-reflection as well. But I think the last and probably most important thing about it, Alan, was that I was coming off two and a half years of the hardest time in my career. And I felt disconnected from the people and things that mattered most in my life, including my children and my husband, and made the very conscious decision to take a full year off to really reconnect with them, myself, and really explore what was next. So we decided to abandon life as we knew it and and travel the world and reconnect with other cultures. It sounds amazing. Um, and I'm, I hope it was refreshing for you. I know you, you blogged about it as well, right? You created a, a website for your, your travels. Yeah. So we kicked off a website called Finding Ubuntu. And funny enough, Alan, the reason we created it is because we did it device-free. And we wanted to have a mechanism by which to tell our friends and family that we were alive and okay. (laughs) So I did carry a notebook computer with me. And then the kids journaled. We all journaled on paper. And then whenever I would find a Wi-Fi spot, I would upload our journals to the blog. And so it was really our way of kind of telling everybody we were fine, but had no idea that we were getting the readership that we did and that so many people would enjoy it. To your point, you, you came off one of one of the most exciting, probably stressful, all packed in one exit and uh, experience at Rackspace. How had how did that year off and reconnection with the family? How did that change you? Big time. I had to figure out who I was without work. I've worked since I was thirteen years old, so and work was very much core to my identity. People would ask me how I was, and I would answer depending on how the quarter was going. So um, and not how I was personally doing. I also found that I'd become extremely disconnected from my heart and I I was pretty much functioning from my brain and gut only. And I, I think the last part, Alan, is that I had really developed two personas, a work persona and a home persona, and they were very different. And more than anything else, those two personas merged into who I actually am over the course of that year. I love that. I mean, that is such, I've got chills actually, as you described it, because I think Lots of people have experienced what you just described, the splitting of yourself and kind of losing your own identity and your identity of work and who you are at work. And not to make too much of it at this current moment, with so many people unemployed right now because of the pandemic, I imagine there's a lot of people feeling lost to a large extent. Well, thank you for sharing. Thank you yeah, for sharing. You're very welcome. Really appreciate it. Well, let's talk a little bit about your work life. It feels like a very awkward transition, but let's talk about work life. We did uh, reconnect or I guess uh, realize that we overlapped slightly at Dell, although I was very short in my internship there. But you were there for 15 years and then joined Rackspace. So what do you feel like along your journey prepared you to be a CMO? Yeah. First of all, I'm grateful to my time at Dell. I grew up there and I literally have family. I have godchildren from Dell. So that experience really formed me both as a person and as a professional. 
What I got from Dell and my time there was a massive education. And I was fortunate enough that Dell really encouraged breadth for people to try on different hats, different functions, different geographies, different verticals. And in my time there, I had the great fortune getting to work in almost every major geography across the entire sales organization in every vertical. I grew up predominantly in sales. 10 years of my 15 years at Dell were in sales. And then I moved over to marketing. And I will say, I carry so much of that experience with me today. I learned so much while I was there. Yeah. You were there at a very formative time, I believe, just from the folks I know that were there. Very exciting. I mean, you went through the the, 2000, the early 1999 to 2000 plus range of just, I can only imagine like rocket ship growth. And most of the people that I've talked to or, or stay in touch with, they describe it exactly like like you did. You, do you th- feel like there was anything about the culture in particular that stood out to you? Like why there was so much of this like familial feel to the environment and the, the relationships? I'm just curious. Well, I think for starters, we were all growing up together. You, you can't spend 15 years of your life with a group of people and not shepherd each other through some pretty significant milestones. But I mean, people were getting married, divorced, having children. But the other part of that was we were also over a course of 15 years, we saw times of great success and we saw crisis. There were two significant recessions during that period. And in crisis, there's bonding. And I think the other thing is that it really taught us to problem solve. You couldn't be successful at Dell unless you were a massive problem solver. And I think that's something that I really took away from it as well. That's great. So went from Dell, I I believe, to Rackspace, uh, helped Rackspace exit, it sounds like, and then took the year off or year plus a little bit off. And now you are... CMO at National Instruments, or NI, I believe, as we talk about this in a few minutes. But I believe I've got this right, that you're the first chief marketing officer at National Instruments or NI. Is that right? That's true. That's true. And interestingly enough, Alan, that's a pattern for me. Almost every job I've had in my career, with the exception of a couple, have never existed before. So yeah, that's true. I'm the, the first official chief marketing officer at NI. What was the company looking to do or create this role to achieve? Yeah. When I was recruited to the company, the task at hand was that they really wanted to refresh and modernize the brand and they wanted to ignite growth. However, when I arrived, I realized there was a much larger opportunity before us. And I realized that, oh, wow, in order to modernize this brand, we actually have to modernize the company. Otherwise, we won't be able to deliver on the brand promise. There were a lot of things that the company was doing that were, that were pretty dated in approach. Everything to how we issued people's first paychecks on paper to how we delivered software to our customers. But as we went through the brand work and the research, what revealed itself to us, which probably the largest opportunity of all, was that our category was long due a modernization. And that was probably the most exciting piece of the work. So let's talk a little bit about the relaunch and the rebrand, if you will, of NI. And tell me about that. And then we'll go into like the other changes, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. So what do you want to know about the relaunch and rebrand? It looks like you're going from, uh, on the surface, (laughs) National Instruments to NI. You're uh, modernizing the look and feel, which I'm assuming we'll get to in a minute, relates to the organization structure as well. What is your primary objective, if you will? Like, is it to refresh yourselves in the customer's eyes? Is it also to refresh yourself in your own eyes? Yeah, that's interesting. It's a little bit of both. What I will say, Alan, first and foremost, is in coming to NI, one of the things that struck me was how cool 
the work of our customers is and the impact that they're making in the way that we live and work and that we really have very little appreciation in our society for the impact of the engineer. So I was watching Chef's Table one night and I love Chef's Table. And even though I'm not a very good cook, for me, what's so amazing about, about it is the story and what some of these chefs have overcome to realize their dreams. And it becomes less about the food, even though the food is spectacular and more about the story. And it really got me thinking that there is nothing like that for engineers and they're solving some of the biggest problems that we face on the planet. So we are really setting out to elevate the role of engineer in society and tell their stories so that people really understand the impact that they're making in their lives. And the goal is to really inspire our customers to engineer ambitiously inspire them to continue to do great work, and then also to inspire our employees to work hard on their behalf because of what they're enabling. Gotcha. Gotcha. And maybe it would be helpful because I just realized we didn't, I didn't ask this question. Tell us a little bit about what NI does as well, to put it in context. Yeah. So we are in a category called test and measurement. And most people don't realize, but just about anything with a mechanical outcome, the car you drive, the airplanes we used to fly on, the phone you use has to be tested and measured before it's in production and before it's out in the world. And our software and hardware enables that. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And I mean, thousands of different tests too, I'd imagine. So it's it's a very complicated area that you're trying to tell the stories of the engineer around too. So yeah, absolutely. It sounds like, you know, like you said before, modernizing um, not only the brand, but the organization. So I'm curious what kind of changes you're making to the marketing organization, as well as maybe more broadly, how you're thinking about running the business. Yeah. So maybe I'll think about how we're thinking about running it because that informs what we're doing organizationally in terms of what we're trying to achieve. So I have had a somewhat midterm to long-term held belief that B2B, business-to-business tech marketing is dead and that it's extremely noisy and everybody's running the same plays. And since the advent of MarTech, we've basically just peppered and abused our insights. It peppered our customers and abused our insights. And I feel like at our core, we've forgotten what our job is as marketers, which is to add value to the customer and to create a relationship with the customer. And I have also felt for a long time that there shouldn't be business to business or B2B marketing and consumer marketing because we're all people in the end. So one of the things that we're setting out to do is to disrupt B2B marketing in the tech space. And to take a more consumer-like approach in our marketing and to really think about our customers, not just as test engineers, not just as decision makers, but as people and really meet them where they are as people. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. And, you know, I don't know, it it sounds like I've talked to a few other CMOs as well that started uh, their backgrounds in sales and this notion of delivering customer value actually is uh, something that's come up. And I'm curious if you feel like your sales roots helps to keep you grounded, if you will, to the to the value that you're creating to customers, or if you think about that at all. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And I, I always joke that I'm a, a sales GM in marketer's clothing, because at the end of the day, I am trying to make an impact on the business, moving the market in service of growth. And I'm always thinking about how can we make this real? How can we make this real for our sellers? How can we make it real for the customer? How can we make sure that we're not just doing activity for activity's sake, but we're actually contributing value, not just to our customers, but to the business. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's refreshing to hear you say that um, because it's, I think as marketers and I count myself in this crowd too, we can get caught up in the stack, the tech stacks that we build, the uh, click streams, if you will, of, uh, of nurturing our customers or, or berating them with emails, um, whichever way you look at it. So it's, it's, it's good to get it back to. Uh... Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Human connection, if you will. Exactly. Which was really informed by my year off in a way. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, exactly, exactly. I wonder, do you think without that year off, you would have approached it this way? Or is this something that you've, you know, you've been doing even before, before the time off to reconnect? I think maybe I was starting to move in this direction, Alan, if I'm being really honest, but I will say it definitely turned it up on steroids. And it's influenced all aspects of how I work. You mentioned organizational changes. So in terms of how I build my team and how we we elevate people within the organization and hire from the outside, I have this new lens, which is I want everybody that's in leadership or in a certain position to be a gift to the organization. And every decision that we make around people, I want people to benefit from it, not just professionally, but personally. So I think my year off made me a more heart-led leader, and that has definitely influenced my approach. I love that. I love that. And I mean, you're driving a ton of change, um, not just externally in the market, but it sounds like internally inside the organization as well. That's never easy. Tell me a little bit more about how you're approaching getting the humans, if you will, inside the building on on board with all this change that's going on. (laughs) Well, I will say I've always been a big instigator of change, a big change leader. I have not always been great at it. (laughs) I move at a very fast pace and probably my largest opportunity is making sure that I'm bringing everybody along with me. But I will say for the folks at NI, I've been blown away at how quickly they've pivoted. And I think the, the most important thing to consider is having clarity of vision and really helping people understand where we're headed, what it looks like on the other side, what the benefits of that are. And I got to give it to my team at NI and and even outside of the marketing organization, I feel like other functions are rooting for us and that this has become not just a marketing effort, but this has become an NI effort. And that has been super inspiring to me. That's awesome. Anything else you would want to share about the rebrand, the relaunch, if you will, or the the stories that you are about to put into market? Anything else you want to share? Yeah. So I will say one of the things I'm super excited about is, like I mentioned before, we're elevating the role of engineer in society. We also have a very strong point of view that our industry needs more diversity. And in order to solve some of the world's greatest problems, you need people from different backgrounds 
that have different perspectives to solve them. Like I always joke that the mammogram must have been invented by a man. (laughs) (laughs) So you need people with different perspectives. And so we have a very strong point of view that the profile and face of engineer needs to evolve to be more inclusive of people from different backgrounds. And with everything that's happening in our world right now and the amount of racial injustice in the African-American community, we also strongly believe that this is one way to begin to solve for social inequity. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's definitely front and center now, for sure. Um, It's always been an issue. And it sounds like you have a lot of passion about diversity, but also socioeconomic disparity or gaps as well. Where does that passion come from? Well, a couple things. I am an immigrant. I'm the daughter of immigrants. So I feel like I won a lottery ticket being in this country. And I feel like I won a lottery ticket getting to be CMO of NI and being able to do the sort of work I do every day with the people that I get to work with every day. And Alan, I've, I've always felt that that comes with a big responsibility to pay it forward. And then I also had the really good fortune of growing up in a very diverse neighborhood and going to a very diverse high school. And that really influenced my worldview. And over time, through my nonprofit work and working in the community, I've realized all of the systemic challenges that are driving these social inequities. And as I get older, it becomes less about just my professional work and more about what impact we can make in the world. And in fact, one of the reasons I came to NI is I saw an opportunity. I saw a platform for doing good. That was one of my requirements that I came up with during my year off. So it's just something that's just very important to me. It's a value of mine. And I feel super lucky to have NI as a platform to do good. That's awesome. And one of the things I was reading about you guys is um, some recent impact investing that the company is doing in your local community to increase affordable housing. So putting your resources, your capital to actually help others. I'd love if you could tell me more about that, tell listeners about it. Impact investing is not something that we've covered a lot on the show, but I, I think people, especially with what's going on in the world right now, it would be great to hear from, from you guys and what you're doing. Yeah. So speaking of modernizing a company, philanthropy as we know it is being modernized. And, and through my work with our local community foundation, we saw some op- some opportunities to join efforts with them and do some social impact investing. And as you mentioned, we just did a $500,000 social impact investment, so a low-cost loan for Habitat for Humanity for affordable housing here in Austin. We've also put aside $7 million to do a mixture of social impact investing and grants. And then we take 1% of our profits globally to invest in the communities in which we we operate. So um, this is something that's very important to us. And one of those pillars is social inequity. We're also very passionate, as I mentioned before, seeing more diversity in engineering and then the STEM fields. So that is a that is a pillar as well. And then we'll also be taking on the environment as another one of our pillars. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, and most people don't don't realize that like you talk about the five hundred thousand dollars in the local with the Habitat for Humanity and then the seven million overall. But the the fact that impact investing, that money gets to be recycled over and over and over. It's not just once and done, which I love. Yeah, sorry, I didn't do a very good job of explaining that, but you're exactly right. That's the beauty of it. It's not a one-time grant. So that money comes back and then you do you do it again and you do it again. So you get significant scale out of it. No, yeah, that's awesome. Is that something that you touched on the Henry Crown Fellowship with the Aspen Institute? Is that something you came across there? Um, or I'm curious if there's a dovetail here 
that I didn't that I didn't pick up on before. There is a dovetail. It, well, the social impact investing really dovetails into my work with our local community foundation. The CEO of the Austin Community Foundation, Mike Nellis, is just a real innovator, and I've learned a ton getting to work with him. But Aspen, what my Henry Crown Fellowship has really taught me is that really work and the work that we do is one of our greatest platforms to do good. And it's really inspired me to make sure that I'm leaving the world a better place and that I really think about the impact that our work has on the world. I want to switch gears a little bit if you're okay with this. I feel like I've already gotten to know you, but I do like to get to know people even more that are on the other side of the microphone. And um, I really like asking this question and I realize you may have already hit on the answer, but maybe not. We'll see. So if it's a repeat, that's fine. But the question I love to ask is, has there been an experience of your past that defines and makes up who you are today? There are so many, but I would say I... I put myself through architecture school running restaurants and bars. So I was learning design thinking and problem solving and simultaneously learning cash flow and people management. So those two things really informed who I am in my work. And then I think simultaneously, you know, putting yourself through school, it's not easy. And I think that really formed my work ethic and affected who I am as a person and the fact that I don't take anything for granted. And also the fact that I'm somewhat fearless in my work because I always figure even if I get fired, I can always make a good drink and 10 bar. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. awesome. I have a similar, a similar trade. I used to clean pools uh, (laughs) to make money. And so I can always pick up a net and skim pools again. Yeah. You can always fall back on that solid work. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I have to ask because you were in the bar and restaurant industry. What's your go-to drink? So right now I'm a big fan of the ranch water, which isn't very complex at all, but I do love tequila, Topo Chico, fresh lime, and I'm set. Nice. Nice. I have not had that before. I may have to make make one of those soon. Well, what advice would you give your younger self if you're starting all over again? To not worry and not be afraid that even during the toughest times that everything's going to work out and that you'll far exceed your, your wildest dreams. So not to be afraid. Great advice. So similar to the drink question, I, I, I've added this question recently to everyone that comes on the show, and it seems a little silly on the surface, but I'm fascinated every time by the answers. Curious if there's been an impactful purchase of $100 or less in the last six or 12 months. Mm, besides upgrading the bandwidth on my Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> that could be it. Yeah. <laughs> I would say a pair of running shoes. I'm really into fitness and really into wellness. And I do believe that it's important to take care of your mind, body, and soul now more than ever before. So yeah, a pair of running shoes have been my savior right now. <laughs> I love it. Well, you know, most marketers tend to be kind of students of what's going on around them. And I'm curious if there's brands or companies or causes that you follow and you think other people should be taking notice of. Yeah. Well, I definitely think what's happening in this country right now in terms of the racial inequity and the racism against the Black community, it's time for us to all stand up and advocate for the Black community, just period. It's urgent. And and that's something that I feel very, very strongly about. And then I think the other thing that I, I would watch closely is what's happening in our world. Everything is being turned upside down right now. And you're starting to realize what 
people are made of, what companies and brands are made of. And I think the leaders of tomorrow will emerge in the coming months and year. And so I think it's it's something to to really pay attention to. I do see the future with quite a bit of optimism, Alan, because I'm a I'm just a natural optimist. So I think all the things that haven't been working for us as a society globally are are, are breaking. So with that comes the opportunity to to reinvent and rethink the things that have not been serving us. Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, m- many of the, the deeper thinkers or academics that I've had on the, on the show or even follow in my, in my outside life, this notion of where we are right now with many elements of society, frankly, breaking down. Ray Dalio's talked about it, you know, one of the largest hedge fund um, people in the world, but the income inequality is one of the biggest things we've got to fight and it could end very badly or there's this opportunity for us to do something about it. And uh, as marketers, you know, we live and die by that, whether you're on the consumer side or on the business side, people being able to afford and continue to put money and cash flow back into the economies to help us all grow and get better and make more money. It's all interconnected. So I wholeheartedly agree with you. I'm excited what you've talked about today and what NI is doing um, to help both highlight diverse engineers and their stories and also um, the impact investing that you're doing, both at the local level as well as beyond that. So uh, thank you for your efforts. I appreciate it. Thanks, Alan. You know, I owe it to the company and our board and our, our CEO. They've been very bold. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, last question for you. What do you feel like is either the largest opportunity or biggest threat for marketers? Ooh, okay. So I'm going to go back to what I was saying earlier. So everybody's going digital. Everybody's going digital right now. It's getting super noisy and it will continue to be. So I think we need to rethink how we reach our customers in a way that's meaningful to them and contributes value to them. So I think when everybody makes the same shift, it presents an opportunity to zag and go in a different direction in order to break through. Yeah, no, it's very astute. <laughs> yes, and I, I think there's a, a lot of, um, not to pile on, but I will for just a second, but I think there's a lot in the ethos of what's going on around how digital is being used as well to track individuals that you don't want to be on the wrong side of that, right? <laughs> you want to make sure that you are, to your point earlier, providing real value in how you're you're talking and reaching and communicating with your customers and prospects. So that's a great one. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really enjoyed the conversation. Alan, this was super fun for me. So thank you so much for the time and for inviting me. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners and you can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes with links to anything we talk about on any episode. You can also search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 